Welcome to the morning community of Northridge Vineyard. Our deepest desire is that you will encounter Jesus as you listen in to our morning gathering. If you'd like to find out more about us, check out our website, northridge.org.au forward slash mornings. Friends, um, gosh, it's good to be here with you as family and um, to be thinking about Jesus together and to be living out Jesus together. First of all, I really want to um, say to you, it's, if you don't know, Phil and I um, are the senior pastors of Northridge Vineyard Church. More importantly, however, uh, we have Bonnie and Rob pastoring this morning church, and we have felt the sense of God resourcing beyond who we are. And we now are three, we are three communities and one church. So Northridge Vineyard also happens in the evening with Jen and Chris as their pastors. And uh, we have a baby up in Hornsby that you might like to go and meet sometime called Hornsby Community Church with um, beautiful and Sarah and Andrew Starr. And in fact, I would really encourage you to go and faith up there and... Um, and up there isn't so far away. It's just a few minutes. So the other thing I wanted to let you know, so yeah, I do really want to just honour the fact that Bon and Rob are doing a great job here. So, um, yeah. You know, we feel a little bit like Mama and Papa Bear, and we're just seriously proud of them. So we want you to be proud of them too. Um, the other exciting thing, and if my voice is a little bit croaky, it's because I'm really happily tired because we have spent a few days away with uh, the Vineyard Church of Australia board. Kirk and Nick Delaney, Phil and I, and Greg Trainer sit on that board. And we have been praying together and seeking God together and worshipping our hearts out, having meals together And let me tell you that God is on the move in Vineyard Australia and that we are ready to share our hearts again, to resource more than our own and to see more people discover Jesus. So start thinking new church in your heart. Let it grow in your heart as it's growing in ours. I have a Bible in front of me today that was my mum's, bless her heart. She passed away a number of years ago, suddenly from a heart attack, but she had Alzheimer's for quite a while before that. And we did quite a journey through that time. Um, But I wanted to... She didn't ever underline anything in her Bible, but she put lots of markers there. And some of those things were marked with things that were events that we shared in life like my daughter's year 12 graduation little booklet, like um, the dedication of my son. And so I turned to those pages sometimes and I thought I'd like to frame today with this for all of us. The earth is the Lord's, from Psalm 24, and everything in it, and the world, and all who live in it. You are the Lord's. And on this beautiful morning when we arrived here at church, you can't help but be thankful, can you, as you're arriving, no matter where you are, if you just look up and see that blue sky and take a deep breath, there is something that we can be thankful for. 
we can also be thankful that um, we're going to have worship music through the background there. And if it's louder at the back than the front, you're welcome to move forward. <coughs> so we'll go with that. But I do want to recognise that this morning, the topic is not light. The topic is this, the power of God and the cross. So it's a series that Rob felt led to lead us to Good Friday and Resurrection Sunday with. And there will be, in the next weeks, speaking about um, the, what was won in the death and the resurrection of Jesus. But today, we are looking at suffering. And so, it is, it's not a light topic. And it's interesting because I've felt all kind of shaky inside about it. <laughs> and I'm not sure whether that's just the Holy Spirit on me or whether it's just that actually I'm feeling the weight of speaking on this subject with you. Um, I am also aware that I, I am likely to cry, so I have my tissues ready. And I need to warn you, I'm not one of those people who cry nicely, but I will try and continue when I do. So, um, you know, I thought in the beginning, why did Rob ask me to do this particular one? I want to talk about the glory and the resurrection and the, all of that. And when I asked him, he just said, well, it's the most challenging one, Kath. And I was like, yes, it is. <laughs> and so at, at least it was that. I thought, you know, many of us are sitting in this room this morning and we know, all of us, at some level know what suffering is we would not say that we're unfamiliar with it. Um, and so I want to recognise that today. I want to recognise that, um, that each of us have experienced different things in our own life, small or great, that we would say a true suffering. And some of us are there right now. Some of us are rejoicing and some of us are suffering. And that's what makes family life, that we get to do it all together. Um, so I did want to frame it with the sense and longing that you would walk away with the sense of hope in your heart from today, that that would be what resonates deeply within you. And when I thought about it, honestly, I think that if we have Jesus, we have everything. There isn't anything else. And once you accepted Jesus into your heart, as I did, I believed that from that point on, I was living to life and more life and to more life. That my body might die, definitely. That I might suffer in this world, pretty likely if I'm engaged in the world in any way. But I am not dying. My spirit is not dying. My spirit came to birth and is going to live on and on and on. So I think that's what I, and, that, and we have heaven. This story that we're telling today, this reality is anchored in heaven and is anchored in the heart of God. So that's the framework that I would like to explore this from. So the power of God and the cross. I want to make it really clear as we talk about suffering that this particular suffering of Jesus Christ was a once for all. It's not something that we need to do again. The scripture says in 1 Peter 3, 8, Christ suffered once for all, for all sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive 
by the Spirit. Christ suffered in a way that he will never ask you or me to do. He did what he did as a grace gift to us, the greatest gift that you and I will ever receive if we are willing to take it in and believe in him like those beautiful people last week were as they were baptised. It's the most powerful moment, I believe, in all history when Jesus Christ died and was risen from the dead. God sacrificed himself in Christ to pay for everything that humanity had ever done and would ever do that separated them from God. Jesus Christ took the keys from the evil one and he unlocked that door that meant death forever. And when we accept that, we get forever life with the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. So I had an experience, a really this coming to home for me about this suffering of God that we really need to understand that this particular grace gift was once for all. When I got called into kids' church, um, it's a while ago now, and there was a little boy crying and the leader said to me, this boy has a theological question that I don't can't, it's up to you, (laughs) Pastor Kath. (laughs) And uh, he was gap age, so we're talking about a young little person here. And through his tears, he said to me, "Um, I really understand that Jesus died because he loves me. I really, really, you know what? I love my mummy and daddy. I love my mummy and daddy, but I just don't think I could die like that for them. What would you say? How beautiful is that? I nearly burst out crying. I was just like, I love the way that you love your mummy and daddy. But you know what? Christ did that once for all of us. He died for your mummy and daddy as well as for you. That doesn't need to be done again. And your mummy and daddy, I know, have already accepted that love. And they're in church now and they're loving God and will be so pleased to hear that you love him too. So that is the message. And I did say to him, you know what, I'm not saying that love won't ever hurt your heart. Because that's not authentic either, is it? Sometimes love does hurt. And the part that we know as adults is that there are people who are loving Jesus today who will give up their life. They will die because of their faith. But even that dying and that obedience to God in that moment, if we're ever asked to do that, I hope that God would give me the strength in the moment. But it is not the same as this once-for-all death that Christ died for our sins. And I think it's really important that we're clear about it. And we're thankful. And we recognise that grace gift. And we recognise that we can't work for it. So... That little boy ran into his mummy's arms very happy that day. That's not exactly him, but it's as close as I could get to show you what that moment looked like. Now, I want to say to you that there is power in the suffering of Christ. There's power that we see, and we know that, don't we?
But I want to tell you this, that it's very different power to the word that is often used or the thought that we often have. We have currently been exposed to the misuse of power in our societies. Very recently, globally, locally, particularly within the church, there has been a long time coming for the voice of the powerless to be heard. And we've recognised that positions of authority and power have been greatly misused. I want to assure you above all else that you will never find that misuse of power when we look to the person of Jesus Christ. The desire for a type of sociological power that controls others in an oppressive manner, it was prevalent, was prevalent at the time of Christ, but you won't find it in him. You would find it in the other religious leaders and in the culture in which he ministered in, in the same way that you'll find it in ours in our culture, but may it not be in our people. Christ Jesus, he gave a way of living that was completely different. Powerful, but different. He didn't lord it over anyone. The God of the universe came and he served, and it was powerful. In fact, you won't find anywhere in the gospel messages as it leads up and talks about the suffering of Christ, you won't find the word power. You will find it after his death and resurrection. It's there, but not in this part that we're looking at. It doesn't appear at all. In fact, it shows us that everyone saw the power to be somewhere else. They saw Christ suddenly as powerless, weak, foolish, suffering. Despite the prophetic words, even though he had tried to speak to his disciples and tell them this was coming, this was all part of what would be the most powerful moment of all history for all mankind. They didn't get it, did they? And in the face of the lack of the power that they had hoped for, they moved away from the life-giving Christ. But here is the echo, and I read those pages of Christ's suffering, that comes to me, not by might, not, not by power, but my, my spirit, says the Lord. It stirs in my heart when I read the pages of the Lord's suffering. God in human form, choosing a path of suffering that looked weak, looked like complete failure, to fight a spiritual battle that we couldn't see, to have a victory we could never get on our own. It's extraordinary. And what we see in some of the disciples, where they thought they were doing acts that were perhaps powerful to themselves, selfish, selfishness carries a type of power, they were actually doing to themselves. There's maybe something for us to learn here, when I read it, I suddenly realised Jesus gave himself, and in fact, Judas only betrayed himself. Jesus gave himself. He even said, you're not taking me, I'm giving myself. Jesus knew who he was and what he was doing. Peter thought that he was denying, him, denying Christ, but actually on that day, he denied himself. 
What appears to be happening in the natural way may not be what is happening in the spiritual. The power of humanity is no match for the spiritual power of a loving God. This Christ who stooped down to wash feet, to release his betrayer, to reassure the denier, to create a simple way of remembrance within a meal with broken bread and wine, who prayed alone for himself, for us, endured brutality with nonviolence, gave the promise of peace to a thief and forgiveness to us all. There definitely was a power released in that suffering, wasn't there? Death and the resurrection of Christ. The Holy Spirit is the power that Paul speaks about later on. And he tells us in 1 Corinthians 1.18 that the message of the cross will always be, for all time, the suffering of Christ will always seem foolish to those who are perishing. But for you and me, for us, we understand that it's the power of God. Even then, though, this word power is possibly not the word that we used to using in our everyday language. It's, and I'm not great with the original words, but I'd like to try and say it. It's something like dunamis. And this original word has come, been translated along in English to mean dynamic. It also means is the root word for dynamite. But I thought about it, and I don't know what you think, but they didn't have dynamite back then. They didn't have the ability to create something and put it down and light it and to explode something that was external to any human being and to cause something that was a big blast. I'm not saying that God's not capable of doing that, I'm just saying that the word that is used here to describe the suffering of Christ and what is given to us through it is not that word. It doesn't hold that meaning. And when I looked at the full meaning of what it is, it's a gift of power that is empowering, placed within a person that has a dynamic sustaining force that will take them on through life. That is a gift, a gracious, spiritually battled, suffering death, resurrected, life-starting, powerful gift. We have, my friends, a spiritual freedom. When you are in Christ, you are free indeed. And if you have Jesus Christ, as I said earlier, you have everything. Everything we deeply need for eternal life. This is the key verse for today. And often when you read scripture, something that you learn about the way they used to write was that the main point, unlike we put the main point in a conclusion, they put the main point in the middle. Maybe so you'd read the whole thing, I don't know. Um, and not just go to the last page. <laughs> so I have put our verse in the middle here as I speak to you today. Let me read it to you. Philippians 2 says this, Therefore, friends, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one mind. 
do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage, but rather he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself to become obedient to death, even death on a cross. I wonder what stands out to you in that passage if you read it again to yourself in your mind. What stood out to me was humility. And part of what I was asked to speak on today is how do we walk in suffering? What can we learn from Christ that we could, we could in our day-to-day life when we find ourselves suffering what we, could we look to in Christ and ask to be more Christ-like in? I want to say, to start with, you are already in Christ. But I do find that what stood out to me was on, that day, on those days of his suffering, and I want to say to you, it wasn't just that day. He was a man of sorrows, it says in the scripture, and he was equated with suffering. So... As we look at the life of Christ, what do we find? I find that there were people who were trying desperately to humiliate him. But I would like to say to you today that humility is never, ever humiliated. There is no doubt that there was a type of ugly power at play that was seeking to diminish human dignity. The act of humiliation is aimed to bring shame, to inflict a type of belittling that would hurt people to the core of who they are rather than just their bodies. Christ suffered greatly in his body, but they also aimed to humiliate him. There's that sort of force still alive and well today, and it's as ugly as it ever was. The cruelty of the soldiers and religious leaders prior and during Christ's crucifixion are ringing out with mocking intent to humiliate as we walk through Lent to the cross. Matthew 27, 27 says this, the whole company of soldiers around him stripped him They put a scarlet robe on him. They twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on his head. They put a staff in his hand. They knelt in front of him and they mocked him. And they said, Hail, King of the Jews. And they spit on him. And they took the staff and struck him on the head again and again. Even people who passed by him hurled insults in the same way. The chief priests, the people who claimed to love God, The teachers of the law, the elders, they mocked him. Saved others, did you? But you can't save yourself. 
Humility, my friends, comes from knowing who we are. Under pressure, it means that we will react in a way that holds up and dignifies life, human life, the gift of life that God gave all of us. The humility of Christ was demonstrated in the way he withheld his divine power. At any point, he could have chosen to just wipe them all out, but he didn't. He healed the soldier's ear even when his disciples tried to take revenge. His type of humility demonstrates to us this holding back that he alone could do, giving sacrificial death for all humanity. Humility is sustained by a determination for a better way of being for others. Humility is sustained by a determination for a better way of being for others. Christ saw beyond the cross and the grave to his resurrection and he saw us. He saw a better way of being for us. Humility walked out in non-violence does not appear powerful at the time. However, throughout history, there have been people who've taken up that same strength and you can name them. I wonder if you think through the people that you've heard of in history and if you were to define humility, who would you choose? There might be people that we all know and other people that many of us wouldn't. I believe my own father walked with great humility in life. Martin Luther King might be someone you think of of Mother Teresa or others. But you know, Christ saw a new reality, didn't he? He knew who he was and why he was dying, why he was giving this sacrifice and love. And we look to Christ. We look to Christ today to have this same perspective as we seek to walk out life with the power of grace-filled humility. We're not called to die the death of Christ, but we are called to be like Christ. I was given a word just before I spoke and I'd like to give it to you. Someone said to me, I believe this morning that we're, we're all going to have the opportunity to put up binoculars to our eyes and look into the future. But Kath, I think you might need to tell some people their caps are still covering the binoculars and they need to take it off. I really... So in this moment right now, Lord Jesus, I just ask that we wouldn't be able to see what you want us to see that our eyes would see the way of being that Christ saw, that changed him, that could change us to be more like Christ as we do our journey, as we walk this life, as we navigate suffering. Would our hands hold humility? I want to read to you Hebrews 12.2. It says this, Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, for the joy set before him, and he endured the cross, scorning at shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Here is something for us to be able to navigate pain and suffering with great humility. So, as, as I finish up, I'd like to say this to you Christ gave us a very simple way of remembering him. He didn't tell us to go to a big open tomb, empty tomb. He didn't tell us that we 
had to get to, to Israel even, even though if you get to go there it's a, into Jerusalem, I think it's a great gift to be able to go and see that place. But he didn't tell us that's how we would, what we'd have to do to remember him. He didn't even tell us, although the, the cross and having a cross up I think is an important reminder, but he didn't tell us to come to a cross, did he? He didn't even tell us to wear it around our necks. He told us to remember him in the broken bread and the wine of communion like we've done this morning. Don't you think that's extraordinary? He told us to remember him in his suffering. In his suffering. In the very thing that he gave up for you and me in his body. Not something external. Not even the cosmic supernatural part of what he did, even though that was going on and we would see it in the death and resurrection. But the suffering... The thing that you might have at every single meal, the bread and the wine, and broken and poured out an everyday living of that type of death. So friends, if you want to find a way to navigate suffering, I would just say these words to you. When you are with others who are suffering, let your words be few and remember Christ. When you are reaching out to a suffering world, remember Christ. And when you are suffering yourself, remember Christ. So Lord Jesus, I ask that as we walk this life, faith and hope and suffering that we will remember the extraordinary gift of your suffering Lord I'd ask this morning that you would spill hope into the very places we're walking right now rejoicing and suffering we have you Lord Jesus Christ and that's everything everything thank you thank you for the grace that we live out of let us remember you. Give us the gift of humility. Help us to be more like you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Well, thank you for staying with me on that. <laughs> I wonder if... Um, I think we have a few more minutes. So, you know, I don't know what will have spoken to you. You may want to sit quietly and pray right now. It, it could, I want to say to you, when we come to Jesus, it's the most gracious place you could ever find yourself. And if you are finding yourself right now, just at the foot of Christ, would you stay there and just listen to what he has to say for you? But if, um, if there's still someone here from the band and you want to come up and play quietly, maybe that would be great as well, please. And then I would ask if you have anything that's spoken to you and you think, oh, I would really like someone to pray with me about that. I'm navigating some serious suffering right now and I would just like my brothers and sisters to stand alongside me and, and pray with me. Then please come forward and we would love to do that. Um, if you feel that you just need to go outside and stand in the sunshine and breathe for a moment, please do that. Please don't feel that you have to stay in the room here. Um, but I would just like to welcome the Holy Spirit to come and minister to us this morning. So Lord Jesus, we thank you. 
I trust, Holy Spirit, that you've spoken to each heart. And each heart is stirring now with the work that you want to do. Our words are empty unless you fill them, Lord, with your love and your hope. So, Lord Jesus, I ask, Holy Spirit, Father God, come and minister to your people this morning, to all of us, Lord. Come, Lord Jesus.